Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. Hello and welcome to Fofop. Fofop in the Tofop feed now. I guess you know that if you've already found this episode. But uh, uh, nice to have Tofop and Fofop finally reunited. And of course, my first guest on the new feed or the old feed. Oh my God, I'm getting myself in a lot of knots here at the moment. But it's because when I got on this Zoom call, uh, today's guest, it's a Hamofop. Justin Hamilton is here. And you have not stopped laughing between when... We turned the Zoom on when you tried to explain to me why you were laughing and then we were just like, oh, you know what, let's just start recording because you can just explain to me why you're laughing and you still haven't stopped laughing. What, What is going on? So, so uh, for anyone who doesn't know how uh, a Zoom meeting works, uh, the person who is hosting, which is you, sends a link. Me, as the person who's coming in, clicks on it and waits for the host to turn up. So, you know, I was only waiting for, I don't know, 60 seconds, 70 seconds. And uh, so I was just flicking through Twitter. I'm an NBA fan. Uh, and... Uh, Kevin O'Connor from the uh, the Ringer podcast had posted this thing and all he'd written was, uh, I'm born ready and there's like seven emoji laughing uh, thingies afterwards. Anyway, so if you've never been to an NBA game before, you know, they just know how to entertain when even when the game's not on. So they do all sorts of things. There's kiss cam, there's bongo cam, you know, they do things on the court and everything. It's an entertainment event. We've talked about this yeah. before, which is even in the game on the court, uh, there was times where they're like, oh, you know what, this game's just a bit more boring if we stick to all the rules. So let's, particularly let's let the good players do whatever they want most of the yeah. time. Occasionally yeah. we'll have to call a foul or a travel or something. Uh, but Just now and again, just to remind people that you're not allowed to take six steps before taking a layup. I mean, it just depends how good the layup is when you nail it. Like, no, if you make it entertaining enough, we'll forget about the fact that you clearly and flagrantly broke the rules on the way into what you just did. And, you know, halftime, you know, famously, you've got the Laker girls, you've got people taking yep. shots from halfway. There's like, yes. there's some acrobat on a ladder. Like, it is yep. an entertainment event from start to finish. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just thinking, you know, if um, if you take six steps before uh, you put in a layup, that's technically a travel. And if you swing your elbow and you break the opposition's jaw, that's a foul on you. But if that dunk looks fantastic and it's going on ESPN, that's all right. You're yeah. a superstar. That's, that's good. all right. Uh, what I would say is if you smash somebody in the face and you like maybe knock them out, then... It's better to do that while dunking them. That's what I would say. Pick them up and dunk them through the ring and then let the refs make a call on how entertaining that was. Put a bit of jazz on it and see how it goes (laughs) from there. So anyway, this is a a clip from obviously it's like a timeout or something like that. I have to tell you, I haven't even had the sound on yet. I've only watched it once and I've only watched it with the sound off and immediately (laughs) I have retweeted it. Anyone who follows me on Twitter will be able to find it and I've retweeted it with this is the best Thing that happened in 2023 and it's a kid on the court i reckon he's maybe what early teens he's in a lakers jersey the laker girls are there and he's he's got to get you know 
half a minute to win it. He's got to get a score, right? And and he's at the three-point line. And this kid is – like the time is running and he's giving it to the audience. He's, he's kind of going, come on, give me some noise. Then he's doing the – you know, the cupping the hand to the ear, listening to one side of the crowd and listening to the other side of the crowd. And you think, oh, yeah, that's good. This is entertainment. He's jazzing it up. But you're watching the timer and you're going, mate, that timer's fucking going down. Like you've got to, you've got to take a shot at some point. And with two seconds to go, he finally picks up the basketball and takes a three-point shot and misses and he's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he's kind of he's also kind of nonplussed as well. Like uh, this kid is this kid is entertainment. It's like he's he's just like, oh fuck, that happened. All right. And next minute he's getting his photo taken with the Laker girls, and it was just glorious. Cause I because I kind of figured he was gonna knock it in with, with the build-up, but he he misses it badly. <laughs> And it's great. <laughs> well, I guess that's your one shot to get all the glory anyway. So getting it yeah. in would be fantastic. But the likelihood of you getting it in is probably quite <laughs> slim, right? Sure. Like technically. Yeah. So yeah. you might as well not bet on the fact that this is the equivalent of do it and ask for an apology afterwards rather than like <laughs> do it first and then expect the accolade. You might yes. as well act like a winner. Because yes. the statistically likelihood of you actually getting to be a winner and getting to celebrate in that way is quite low. It's Whereas not if happen. you just start it now, mate, you're viral now. I mean, and you're viral now, <laughs> like, and, and you handled like, it well. It's almost as if you expected <laughs> really? it to happen. <laughs> Like I could just imagine him talking to his boys afterwards, yeah. going, "Ah, oh, I just don't oh, know. Well. I think I think the ring's a bit weird." <laughs> like I could imagine he's got some. Yeah. Oh, the crowd just wasn't hyped enough. No. The crowd seems pretty hyped because they're like, yeah. "What the not fuck hot, is happening?" Not, not hyped enough though. <laughs> Take the shot, mate. But just watching the the timer going down, and it's like, Jesus, he even going to get off a shot anyway? Oh, well, he's half made a f- minute to win it is actually the name of my thirty seconds to Mars covers band. So oh yes, oh, are they yeah. thirty seconds very to good. Mars? Is I'm, the, I'm, how many seconds to Mars is that band? Is it 30 they're, seconds? They're definitely 30 seconds. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't want it any longer. Um, <laughs> anyway, good on that kid. That that kid does not realise he might have been entertaining uh, a full Lakers audience, but he has made a 50-year-old man in Sydney on a Sunday morning have a genuine laughing fit. Okay, well, that's good. I'm glad. That's very nice. Yep. What a good way. Yep. What a fun way to start. Uh, on a Sunday morning, like with yeah. such a vigorous laugh. I hate to bring you down, but I had some homework for this podcast. You and I were talking during the week. We will get to um, what is, I'm I'm willing to call it, my new favourite TV show. We will get to that at some point oh, in this podcast. Yeah, fucking absolutely, right? You're, uh, you're, 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 I'm, I'm guessing you're up to date as well. Yeah, so yeah, as so, you same. know, yesterday I had plans and then, had one of those days where everything went wrong with my plans. And so uh, to make up for that, I thought, you know what, I can still salvage something out of tonight, you know, despite the fact that this day has fallen apart. I'll just make some new plans and there'll be just things. So I got some takeaway food in the place that I, you know, found myself stuck. So, okay, positive. What's what's your go-to? Well, so I was in the inner west of Sydney, right? My plan was that I'd gone over to do a podcast so people would be able to hear this podcast at some stage. It's called Community Noticeboard. It's a bunch of young uh, Sydney comedians. It's a very po- funny podcast, actually. Um, they look up your hometown. It's got a bit of the dollop. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. It's, have yeah, you done it's great. it? Yeah, yeah, it's great. So it's got a bit of the dollop vibes, but about yep. where you're from. Yeah. And not necessarily. And they're a delight. And they're really funny guys. Yep. Anyway, it was a really fun podcast. I re- very much enjoyed it. And then my plan was that I was going to go and see 
three shows. I had tickets to three shows at the Sydney Comedy Festival that night. But some things went on that meant that I couldn't go and sit in three shows. I needed to be near the phone. So I um, <laughs> was it the fifth episode of this TV series? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I say I needed to be near the phone to yeah. Justin to talk yeah. about the fifth episode of this TV series. <laughs> um, oh, you know what? Let's jump in. Let's. We've teased it too Are much you? now. We may as well really, and we can get to the other shit. We can start with the good thing and get to the shit thing. That's okay. So, oh no. Okay. Let's. Um, so anyway, I decided that I would get some manouche. In the inner west, in Newtown, in in Maury of Sydney, up by up by the M Mall Theatre, there is a place that's been there forever called Manouche, I think is the name of yep. it. Anyway, it's a like it's a you know pizza like ish place. Like you I think know. we've maybe eaten there before. Yeah, it does sound familiar. It's tasty, I and I yep. I rarely am in the area to get some, and so I got some right. of that. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat my manouche and I'm going to watch the fifth episode of this TV series. Yeah. So, <laughs> in which it felt like everything was being explained and yeah. yet nothing was being explained, and yeah. I don't trust anything or anyone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It was like, why are you giving me all these answers? And I should feel content, yeah. but I still feel like but, you are lying yeah, to I me. I bet at least some of this is a lie, and yeah. I don't know what the purpose of it is, even if it's true. Yeah. And yeah. even in the story you're telling, there's a series of contradictions and lies. So I'm yeah. pretty sure the show is telling me that I shouldn't be trusting this thing that seems like, but also what a fucking bold move by a show that's done four episodes of absolutely introducing mysteries that might seem like they're never going to be solved to have an episode where there's like, I'm just going to get one guy on an island. Okay, anyway, we've got to tell people what the show is so that we can talk about it in context. And I, I, and I, I don't, don't want to spoil you, anything. Like for you people. don't want to spoil anything? Well, I don't okay, want to spoil right, it no, too much that, for people. I, I think we can talk generally about it without, yeah. you know, and yeah. again, if you're keen, we should say the name of the show. And if you're super keen on watching this show, yes, which you should be, by the way, and yes. you want to watch it without any context, which is how I watched it, which I think is a good way to watch it, then then stop the podcast. We are going to talk about it. We'll try not to spoil things, but just in the nature of talking about it, there's going to be like things that spoil things at least yep. slightly. So go and watch so it we're, first. We're, yeah, so we're talking about the reboot of Neighbours on exactly. Amazon. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> you would not believe it. <laughs> There's a smoke monster. It bounces back yeah, from the and dead. And he is angry. <laughs> <laughs> about Craig McLaughlin. Yeah. Used to give him erections on set. True story. Set it on the glass house. Oh, <laughs> should have spotted him then. Should have <laughs> known back then. Inappropriate things with castmates against their will. Yeah, his uh, podcast is called Lipstick on My Collar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway. uh, we are talking about a show that you recommended to me. So why don't you tell yes. people what you told me? Well, uh, you know, anyone who has uh, had the delight or the frustration of, you know, knowing me or following me for a while knows that I'm a Damon Lindelof acolyte uh, from Lost to The Leftovers, which I'm uh, quite uh, evangelical about and to Watchmen. And it's his uh, new series that he has uh, created with uh, one of the writers of uh, The Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon, uh, Tara Hernandez. And the TV show is called Mrs. Davis. And essentially... All I knew about it going in was that there was an algorithm called Mrs. Davis that has made the world a better place to live. And there is a nun called Sister Simone 
who was going to destroy it. And even that felt a little bit bonkers. And I was like, I wonder what this is going to be like. And that doesn't sum up any of the uh, craziness that I experienced in the first 16 minutes of the first episode, which I showed a friend yesterday. I said, let's just watch the first 15 odd minutes. And at the end of it, after three completely different things had happened, she was like, what goes on with this show? <laughs> and I was like, there's, a, there's even more in the next 45 minutes. It's... So you, yes, you basically just told everybody what you told me. So again, I will yeah. reiterate, if you want to watch this show without yeah. any context at all, which is probably yeah. not a bad way to watch it, yeah. stop now, go and watch it. You can listen to this later. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing I would say is it is, um, it's a comedy. Like it's, it's very, it's, it very <laughs> much is mainly a comedy. Is you it know? though? I don't well, know. It's like well, very, com- jokes. It's like very comedic. Yes, but there's heaps of jokes. But is it like, like strictly a comedy? Well, it's not strictly a comedy. I don't think it's a comedy. Like, I mean, I, well, I think, don't want to say dramedy either. No, but I think the fact that you've described what what would happen if Damon Lindelof did yeah. a series with somebody who was predominantly known for writing Young Sheldon and The Big Bang Theory. Yeah, this is what would happen. Yes, but it's also so much more than that. Like, it's not yes. just the bare minimum of what would happen. It's like combining those two things into something else, something that brings out something in each of them. Yeah. Like – Well, I, I think you, yeah. I, I kind of point out that it's a, a comedy because it doesn't necessarily set it up. But look, just on a mild tangent, and this is going to make you laugh so much, um, talking to our dear friend Limo, and he watched the Weird Al Yankovic documentary and he was furious. And I was like, oh, why are you furious? And he said, oh, you know, I'm watching it. And like in it, like Weird Al has a relationship with Madonna, but in real life – like they only met once at backstage at, at a, a club, and then mm. and then it, it, later on, someone asked him to do a, a like a, a parody of his song. That's not how it worked. He just did. It. And the, the the more Limo talked about it, I was like, do you, "Do you know this is a comedy?" He's like, oh, "Yeah, but Weird Al's life's really interesting." I said, "Yeah, but Weird Al does parodies, so why would he do a documentary? He's quite clearly made a mockumentary, and with everything he said to me, annoyed, it made me laugh even harder, and he sold it even more." Until I told him he needs to watch it correctly. <laughs> he must have been really furious at that bit where uh, Michael Jackson ripped off Eat It for his song Beat It. Mate, <laughs> he, was, he was furious that Weird Al had a six pack. <laughs> Lee, mate, mate, what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, I thought that was, I mean, yes, Weird Al's life is absolutely fascinating. And is there a documentary in Weird Al's life that somebody else can make? Yeah. At some stage. Sure. Yes. But this is – I mean, I thought the Weird Al movie was peak Weird Al. Like, to me, it is the absolute gentle satire that yeah. he always did. And, like, yeah. of course he would do that exact same thing to himself within the movie. I think Daniel Radcliffe, by the way, does an awesome job in that movie. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's so good. Yeah. And I love Weird Al. But that movie, yeah. like I remember seeing Weird Al live in in, in Sydney, like I mean, it must have been a decade ago now at the Enmore. Uh, Will Anderson at the Enmore in a couple of weeks. Uh, still some tickets available. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, just keep that in mind while we talk about other things. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I thought his stage show was – Magnificent. And I've thought about it a lot since. And I think the genius of Weird Al is that his songs 
like a they're really great musically absolutely there's like a level of musicality that makes them great but it's the simplicity of the parody that that separates it from other parody music right like normally the parody is some reflection of the song so whatever the popular song of the time is the parody will be about the artist who does the song or the song itself or the lyrics of the song or the context of the song. Whereas he just like, there was this real sort of simplicity of going, it's not beat it anymore, it's eat it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think that's like, there was a point in my life where I was like, oh, Weird Al isn't cool because I got into cooler, more complex, more edgy, more satirical comedy and Weird yeah. Al seemed a little old fashioned and simple. But I think yeah. it's because it is that. And yeah. it's well aware that it is that and it's authentically that. Like, I mean, the idea that Weird Al would make this biography of his life and he'd like he'd have an affair with Madonna and he'd be like, <laughs> like he's drinking and drug years. And oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it's you like, know, his, his it's hilarious. His parents telling him he's not allowed to polka and yeah. then Limo's sitting there going, but he was allowed to polka. <laughs> polka. <laughs> but he was encouraged to polka. <laughs> It's one of my uh, it's one of my favourite <gasps> furious moments from a friend in ages. Where you're going, eh. but the, yes. So this movie, so anyway. this uh, show, uh, yeah. Mrs. Davis. Yeah. Um, again, I don't want to spoil things for people, even if people have like decided to keep listening. But I, what I, I'd love to t- just talk about this because the first couple of episodes, most of the texts that I would send you were just. How did this get made? What is yeah. this? Like just old, increasingly just going, what's going on? What <laughs> yeah, is yeah. this? Yeah. I like it, but what is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I said to you, the um, you know, when, when a TV show is made, you have to pitch it. Yeah. And was trying to work out how did, how did they what pitch What did you it? say? Because it's all over the place. There's, you know, there's magicians, there's nuns, there's... Uh, a real leaning into mm. the concept of faith in, in a very mm. sincere way. There's secret societies. Well, the faith thing hatches. is super interesting because there's yeah. this through line of conversations around faith and belief and, like, you know, people that you might consider to be mystical or stories are, like, appear to be real in this universe, at least in the way that we're experiencing it. But also you've got this AI and you've got religion going head-to-head in the thing, but you like half the time I'm wrestling with like what side is this this show on when it comes to religion is it in favor of it or is this a massive satire of religion or like like this it's complex and yeah. compelling yeah like it's i think it's a satire of religion and i think it's a uh, a celebration of faith which i know sounds a little bit like Splitting hairs, but no, one but is. that's what it does. It, it's yeah. wrestling with complex things. Yeah, you know this idea that things aren't all good or bad, or that some things are stories, or how much. I mean, a lot of it's about free will, whether you're choosing to go on your own missions in life, or whether they're being chose for you, and like whether you realize that. Like sometimes you're presented with like a mission, but sometimes that you are just and like who knows what. And the reality is, and then again. Like the episode that just happened presents on its face as being, and here's an answer to a bunch of those questions we've just posed. And the fact that, and now this is spoilers, so please, again, don't blame me if this is, because I need to just say this one thing. The fact that the answers are provided by a man who's like living on a mysterious island by himself, 
I feel is just hilarious when it comes to the Damon Lindelof of it all because you can't watch this show because it's a show about mysteries and questions and like it's almost like a lost parody in the way that it raises these things that you imagine will never be solved or explained and that you'll have to wrestle with and yeah I can imagine people who don't like it their immediate criticism would be oh it's another Damon Lindelof I'll introduce all these things and then and then in like the fifth episode they sit a guy on an island yep. <laughs> to, to tell you what all the answers to all those questions are, supposedly. Yep. Like yep. I don't believe for a fucking minute that that's what happened, but but that's what they did. And to me that just made me – like it just kept – I just kept thinking that he was a guy on an island and they'd made that choice at some stage and that it can't have all been – because that guy didn't need to be on an island. He could no. have been somewhere else for, yeah. the, for the reasons he's on that island – yeah. He absolutely could have been somewhere else for the story to happen. Well, also, uh, once again, this is the, the, this is the absolute mildest of spoilers because it literally happens in the first seven minutes of the first episode. But it also, it starts with him on the island and he gets off. Yeah. <laughs> seven minutes in. Yeah, he's off the island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not six seasons. It's, he's, he's off. No, that all feel, <laughs> felt very pointed to me. Yeah, <laughs> like, it was really here's funny. Here's an island. Here's a guy on an island. We're all like, yeah. oh, here we go again, Lindelof. Guy yeah. on an island. Oh, he's off the island. Yep. And then you right. realise at some stage he does go back to the island. <laughs> anyway, yeah, again, does. like <laughs> If you're listening now and you're annoyed that we're spoiling small things, that's on you. Don't yeah. worry. By the time you get to this, you will be so confused by everything else. <laughs> yeah. You you realise that we've uh, we've talked about the pasta dish, but all we've really talked about is the oregano. Uh, the um, uh, there is something also. So there's there's meta, there's just outright funny, and then there's literalism as well, where they're hunting an object, and I think in modern kind of storytelling, that object would be. And it's you, you know, or it's this person. Yeah. But in this, the object is literally the object, the object and everyone sees it and you see it all the time and you're not. like. And the MacGuffin is ab- absolutely a solid object. It's a real thing. Yeah. That, and it's not a metaphor, which is what it would be in most shows these days. Right. And let's say it isn't a real thing and we're all in some fucking giant simulation being run by this benevolent fucking AI. Right. But you know the world building, and this is where I've always been a really big fan of Lindelof. Is, um, and this is where I think a lot of shows uh, like this kind of fail is his world building is incredible. So you know, with the incredible. leftovers, it's like two percent of the world's population disappears one day without any uh, any sign of where they went, and then. You, you discover what happened to religion and you discover how the scientific community are approaching it and you're discovering how this individual came to be and then, you know, this town had, for some statistical anomaly, had no one disappear. So then that becomes a mythical place. Do you know what I mean? And it, it was the world building outside of it that was... So anything that happened within it, you understood exactly where you were. And this show was fucking bonkers but it, the, the world building is so immaculate like i think we were talking on the phone the other night uh in in america they call the ai mrs davis but in the uk in england they, they call it mum and it has different names in different countries countries yeah. and the names that it has because this i mean it feels like it's implied that it's some sort of a, adaptive ai like we've all already seen inklings into the idea that like it adapts to even the personality of the 
you know, person it's interacting with. So I, obviously, you know, so – and at the moment we don't know if it's benevolent or malevolent. Like there's definitely – that's what the show's exploring in a lot of ways. It's contrasting with that idea of religion. And in the same way as religions all have these central tenets, you know, like there's always some version of the golden rule, do unto others or, you know, don't do unto others. There's one of those in everything. And a lot of the core principles remain to be the same. But like – Jesus is called Muhammad, who's called like I know they're actual separate people, but like yeah, in the point of the religion, like yeah. you know these figureheads, like play that same position on the field, you know, like that's they have the same role, and the idea that the personality that you would give that role. So Mrs. Davis, why it's called Mrs. Davis in America is, it's that mythology of the kindly priest, like kindergarten or preschool teacher who you know is able to you know be the substitute mother figure I imagine right like whereas that doesn't really resonate in Australia I don't think in the same way that's not part of our cultural story so yeah I mean what would it hasn't been revealed what the AI is called in Australia is it like we haven't Uh, Sheila (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sheila wants to talk to me (laughs) Sheila's on the phone Um, but then, but once again, that is like I know that sounds, uh, in a way, that kind of sounds inconsequential, and it sounds like such a small thing. But that it's the small thing that makes these shows, when it's done right, make it oh, build up. Beautiful. It's a small thing that tells a bigger story. So this is what yeah. I love about George Lucas, right? Uh, sorry, not George Lucas. What a horrible thing. That was thing. the weirdest thing I have ever heard you say, <laughs> here's what knowing I like, how you feel about Star Wars. Here's what I like about George Lucas, though. His fondness for Adelaide food court cafes. <laughs> Loves it, mate. When you're a billionaire, go and get the sweet and sour pork downstairs in uh, just off Rundle Mall, Seven ninety nine. Happy birthday. What I love about George Miller, <laughs> apologies to George Miller yeah. for mistake, making that mistake. Uh, what I love about George Miller, what I particularly loved about Fury Road, um, uh, I had to fill in something recently that asked me what my favourite film of the last decade was and I had to look through a list of films of the last decade to kind of like see if I could actually make a choice. And the one that I kept coming back to was Fury Road. And the reason is that I love – how the world building is done in his movies where he just drops you into the world and because everything is thought out, like even if you don't, like because the gear stick looks a certain way, because the whatever it is, like you don't need to know what the reason for the world building is, but if it all makes sense in the world, it's telling a bigger picture and a bigger story that you start to understand. Some of it's revealed through the story. Some of it will never be revealed, but you'll kind of get a sense of why it is that. Like, they don't say, hey, it's different in every country because every country has a different context to how they see the world and explore the world and what you know authority figures they relate to and what way they relate to them. And some of that is cultural, not just you know specific to being a human being. Um, they don't say, hey, this is a broader parallel for the way that different religions are shaped by the cultural context in which those religious stories have been. Like They're not saying that in the story, but I do think that they are kind of saying that in the story. Yeah. Like they've thought yeah. it through. 
And yeah. so it can just be a little fun joke that the British call the AI a mum or whatever. But yeah, it's great. And it, 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 it is. It, it also, you know, it just kind of, once again, what you were saying before, uh, hints at how it works, you know, like subconsciously you go, oh, well, this is, as you said, adaptive. And it means it can uh, <clears throat> kind of change the way it uh, approaches, you know, different cultures. And this is probably why it's, uh, you know, in this world being seen as a success to bring about world peace. By the way, we, while we were talking about um, Australia, um, it, it's not often that uh, someone playing an Australian uh, who was not Australian is not in some way kind of um, a little bit annoying in a TV show. But the guy playing the <laughs> the Australian in it is unbelievable he is what's his of, do you know what his name is that actor uh, i'm just looking at uh, oh it's a uh, chris um uh god damn it chris diem tarnlow or something like that chris diamantopoulos and uh he was in uh so i heard that um i never watched this show but i think he was um in a show called Silicon Valley. He, I was. Think he was. one. Of, so yeah. um, you, you did hear that. You heard that from me. So, oh, did I hear that from yes. you? Right. So I, lo- <laughs> I love Silicon Valley. There's some problematic people involved with it, it turns out. But I really like that show a lot. I thought it was very funny. And he plays this sort of billionaire angel investor with the same sort of uh, subtlety that he brings to his role in right. this as well. But yep. his Australian accent is so good in this that I literally had to check that he wasn't Australian because yeah. in Silicon Valley, he's an American and I assumed yep. he was an American. And then I like this accent is so good. Yeah. Because and it's, it- you know, thing like this, you could imagine it being super broad and played for laughs and his character is played for laughs. Like his character is super broad and played for laughs, but his accent is not super broad and played for laughs. Does that make no. sense? Yeah, yeah. It's a, <laughs> so so um, on, on my podcast, we have a segment called Pass the Ammo where we go through Osploitation yeah. movies and he, he honestly feels like a, a like a – an actor from the seventies in in movies like Stunt Rock or uh, Sons of Steel, like it, it's it, he's kind of got. It's not just that he's got the Australian accent; he's got the Australian specific male Australian energy of that type of person as well. Just the way he even stands, the way he carries himself, the way he has his uh, zip all the way down to his navel, showing off his abs. <laughs> it's <laughs> the way he takes a spoonful of Vegemite before he leaps out a plane. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man! The, the, he also the, the young. I, I don't even want to mention it, but the ongoing joke that he has with the main male character is like I don't want to say it because it's no. actually fun to realise that once you get a few episodes, but in, yeah, it's there's hilarious. A, there's a running joke in this that is never not funny. Never not funny. Like yeah. you always think that rule of comedy is like you know funny, 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 not funny, not funny. Funny, yeah. funny, funny. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, but this is, well, maybe there'll be a point where it's not funny to me. And then right. I look forward to the point where it's funny again <laughs> because right. I yeah. hope they never stop doing it. Well, it. well, I think it's always funny because it's never the joke in the scene. It's just the thing that happens while it, – it's the minor thing that happens while the scene is progressing. But if you're paying attention, you, you're always seeing it happen. Well, and the, and the thing is that it has a couple – there's a practical reason for it in a sense. Mm. 
Like, you yeah. know, it is... An ex- in, in their minds. In their minds, there is a practical reason for it. But also there's a plot explanation for their capacity to do, do it. Again, we're yeah. talking very vaguely here, but yeah. like it, it talks to your idea of world building. George Lucas drops you in it. This feels like he dropped in it, but like five episodes in, I feel like I don't understand the world at all, but I understand the world in which this story is taking place. Yes. Like that's what I get. Yeah. And I get uh, it. And I get it's a world where you can't trust everything that you're seeing because yes. they keep telling you that. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, like scene after scene after scene. Yeah, literally, in every way they could possibly tell you to not believe everything that you're seeing. And then they do an episode where they're like, here are all the answers. How many, like, how many of these do you believe? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and even in the uh, – so in that fifth episode where they where the guy gives all the answers, there is a moment that happens, and we've seen quite a few of these moments once again already, that honestly took me so much by surprise. I was here watching it by myself, and I literally – old school use of the word literally – yelped because I was not expecting it. And then I was like, I can't believe they did that. But then I was like – but you really haven't done that heaps of times before. So that was kind of like the main moment where I was like, oh, do I believe this guy? Because every time I've seen that happen before, I've been like, you can't do that. And they actually haven't. <laughs> so maybe they haven't this time. Justin, this is, I mean, because again, these are vagaries, but literally something happens that several times the show has in earlier episodes. Like we're told this thing as if it is to be true. Yet this show in the previous episodes has showed us several occasions of that exact same thing happening, like in that same way, in that same exaggerated style in which yeah. it happens. In the Yeah. And like I was the same as you. Like I almost like leapt off the couch. Yeah. Like it shocked me and surprised me so much and I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. And then I was like hang on, but it did happen the exact same way this show told you not to trust, yeah. at least on three other occasions. <laughs> yeah, so why would I believe it this time? <laughs> but, but maybe it is true this time. seems so compelling this time. Oh, far out. It seemed, yeah. Look, um, I, I, I think one of the things that's oh, also man. important to let people know is the performances yeah. are so good. So good. That, uh, so Betty Gilpin, who plays the lead character of Sister Simone, um, once again, this is something that you said to me on the phone, which is she's so charismatic and she's so compelling, but she also thinks that everything that is going on is bonkers and she kind of acts as, as our proxy. So it's not like she's just accepting everything. She's constantly looking around thinking, what what the fuck is this? And that's good because it's like you feel like she's somehow on your side as your proxy your eyes into that world as well uh, and she's just fantastic like she does she has a lot to do and it's all great uh, but also Jake McDormand who plays her friend Wiley like a bit of Wyatt Russell a bit of Kurt Russell's son going on there he's great like he is he's just as compelling as her and I think they're a great one-two punch for leads in a TV show but it's also as a TV show, from episode to episode, like can be quite big and quite small all at once mm. as well. Like it, mm. it's there is one thing that they again like this must be so annoying to everybody, <laughs> to well, people who've seen it, and to, yeah. we can move on to something shit that no one will care if I spoil in a second. But like I just want to say that the shape of the show is 
compelling as well because you don't know what you're going to get in an episode. It's not like when you sat down to watch Breaking Bad, you wouldn't know what you get in the plot, but you kind of would understand mostly apart from like the occasional episode where they were doing something for that reason to break the style. Like it was, you'd still kind of feel like, yeah, it, like you have this flashback scene, the blah, 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 the, you know, this is how it kind of rolls out. And then eventually with Breaking Bad and a show like that, they go, well, this is our form, now we're going to subvert the form or we're going to mess with it. To, But they establish a form first, whereas this yeah. is... This no is form. no form. <laughs> I don't There's know no what form. I don't know what the the shape of this show is meant to be because from episode to episode it com- is completely different in shape and, and scope. If this TV series was a car ride, you <clears throat> would have nine types of whiplash. I mean, this is the thing again, and we get back to this idea of how do you how do you pitch it? Like, are you just going, hey, did you guys like? Um, everything, everywhere, all at once, because that's our approach to making a show. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to do even more. Yeah, but even more. This is yeah. everything, everywhere, all at once, plus more. Plus more. Plus, <laughs> plus more stuff. Um, w- without uh, telling you who the character is, the actor Andy McQueen, who uh, that uh, sister Simone goes and visits quite a lot, um, he has also been fantastic, and he gives me a... Um, a young Jeffrey Wright vibe. Oh, definitely. In, in that kind of calmness and demeanour, and, but still, you know, charismatic and drawing you in. And, and uh, still some complexity to the character that we're, we're starting yeah. to see, yeah. like, unfold <laughs> as well, which is, yeah. anyway, that, that that one would definitely be a spoiler if we talk too yeah. much about that. No, no, so. no. I don't <laughs> want to ruin that. That is, that is great. But anyway, it was like, in all honesty, like, thank fuck for a TV series like Wow. This. I mean, I honestly have not enjoyed watching something as much as this in ages. Yeah. It's bonkers. Yeah, yeah. It's it's genuinely uh, nuts and it's it's great. So I, It just I, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if at the end, like, the reveal is, like, I mean, of course this would surprise me and this is not going to be the reveal, but considering what the topic of the show is, that the entire show was AI-generated. Like, you know, because it has that feel of almost like reality but not reality if you just fed in what was important or contradictory about the nature of like existence and free will and like, you know, various characters into an AI program to yeah. make something Yeah, that partly this is what they would come up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you type into AI who would make the best James Bond and yeah. somehow it comes up with, you know, uh, Ryan Gosling and Hugh Jackman's son. <laughs> You know right. what? Oh, no, I guess that would be if yeah. it was English. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. And that, that is what the TV series feels like. Anyway, I'm so glad that you enjoyed it as well. I was really – I had a feeling, but I worked really hard to undersell it. Yeah, it's compelling. Like, I mean, again, it's – yeah. But the reason I wanted to talk about it was because if people have not heard of it, because I had not even heard of it, it wasn't on my radar at all. Again, I guess maybe this is the downside to – being off social media is that it can take you a little while to hear about things that maybe everybody was already talking about and there was a bit of buzz around about. Was there? Well, no. <coughs> like I, I think uh, I think the position you're in is you can just rely on idiots like me. But the uh, I mean, it's other- better. But also, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in a way, I wish because certainly with the first four episodes, I, I experienced them in a different way to you because you were watching it regularly. Whereas. Well, no, no, no. They dropped all four at oh, once. Oh, all four were at once. Okay. On the, on, and uh, <clears throat> to be honest, it, so, you know, I'm a I'm not a binge guy, so I would watch one episode and I'd have to 
I'd have to leave it for a day. I couldn't. I'd go, I just yeah, was like, I, I need to keep watching more. Yeah. I need to see what's oh. happening. And see oh, if I, can... I told I told my mum to check it out and four yeah. hours later, I just get an all caps text <laughs> message, finished, and what did I just watch? <laughs> how, did they, how did this get made? How Seriously, did this get made? Just, I hope they filmed the pitch meeting. I just want to see them try to explain what it is they were trying to do. Yeah. Well, the... Um, have you happened to be able to listen to that podcast I sent no, you with the I creators? Done, no, yeah. I haven't done that. There's, there's a little explanation into what it first started off as and uh, interestingly, it was the last meeting they both took before COVID kicked in. Oh. So, you know, it's like, hey, this seems like a good idea. We could do this. Oh, COVID, you know, and then slowly getting back in touch with each other and slowly building it from there. And it's interesting, Lindelof wanted – he didn't want to be a showrunner. He wanted to be a – in a writer's room creating kind of thing. So it's a little bit more Tara Henderson's piece. But, you know, anyway, it's it's worthwhile listening to. And uh, it, it actually started off as something much darker. Mm. Okay. And I'm glad, I'm glad that they've lent, you know, further in the opposite I direction. mean, it still feels pretty dark too, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, all the That's themes, in the DNA. It's absolutely there. And a lot of the humour yeah. is very dark. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean... But, you know, like sometimes the humour is really dark and then sometimes the humour is just two people interrupting a guy trying to tell a story <laughs> and him getting annoyed. Mate, okay, so speaking of darkness, let's move off this because it must be annoying to people, but I'm going to move on to another show before we move on to the shit thing. Okay. Um, so I, Leave them wanting more. Well, based on your – because I know that you're a big Perry Mason fan. Mm. And yeah, I'm not a huge period piece person, but like I was like, you know what, I'm – I'll fucking give it a go. I'll give old Perry a go. And first episode, I was like, it did. I did find it a bit heavy going, just because I do, that, particularly that era. Yeah. And I'm not again. This is in my. Here my, we go. Here we go. I hate underwater. I hate outer space, and I hate the past. I just like. <laughs> Weird-ass shows that make no sense to me in the present. But Slight, if it goes well, underwater, slight, I'm out. Slightly in the future, I believe. Isn't, isn't, uh, no, no, it's 2023. Mrs., You're all right. I, wasn't it 2033? Oh, it was oh, 2023. I thought it was 23. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I thought, thought it was a slightly advanced future was oh, okay. my memory. But anyway. I well, might. good on you for sticking with it. <laughs> I'm fine with the slightly advanced future. No, I, I think it's war-related. Like I think the way that I don't like war movies – yeah. Like I think that like I don't like war era movies and TV right. shows either. Like the general yeah. vicinity, I find the depression depressing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the correct response. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, to be honest, I'm funny. Uh, I'm not funny. I'm surprised that you checked out Perry Mason because that is actually a show I wouldn't pitch to you. No, you ha- you had never. You just told yeah. me that you liked it, and yeah. I was I was high. Off your previous recommendation oh, and right. looking for something else to watch, Mate, but also should, I, should have gone to Barry. That was your. That was your next. Nah, I, I, I knew what I was looking for. I needed something a bit sort of complex Central. that I could lean into. Um, yeah. And I thought two seasons. That's a good amount. If I get into it, like that's that's a good amount of television I can. And I've, I've got to say, I'm at the end of the second episode now, and I like I'm, I'm I might be into it. Yeah, I'm not. It's 
That that's it, not going to be a binger though. That's definitely going to be. I'll have to just watch an episode at a time. I think of that. It's and then yeah, I'm gonna... I, I think it'll be better off as well. Look, it's uh, lots of compelling actors, uh, and uh, I, I think that first season, you know, there's a bit of heavy lifting at the start, and then it gets some a real momentum, and then uh, the second season has uh, new showrunners. It's the uh, the guys that did the Nick, and uh, that season is even better. That like the first one does all the heavy lifting. The second season really kicks along, and if I, I think if you're invested in the characters and the and the acting, it's um, and, and it's also a series of ramifications. So nothing happens that doesn't mean something further on. You know, sometimes these shows can be, and at the end of the season, all the toys are put back in the box for the next slot. It's like no, no, no. There is shit that is going to continue building on what's uh, what's been experienced here. Yeah, I got that impression. Yeah. So, but, you know, maybe a, a series that you would like is, have you seen Swarm? No. What is Swarm? So Swarm is on Amazon Prime and it's about a young girl who is into a Beyonce-styled uh, uh, figure and that uh, lead character in Swarm is Coco Bananas, and it's uh, it's uh, created uh, by um, Donald Glover and uh, another writer who I'm blanking on at the moment. And you follow this um, uh, this woman uh, as she kind of uh, loses herself further and further into madness, and it's. It's extremely dark and it is quite funny and it's also really compelling and it, and that becomes more and more bonkers as well. And they're shorter episodes, so I think that might be. Janine Neighbours, that's who it is. So it says, essentially an obsessed Houston-based fan goes to increasingly violent lengths for her favourite R&B singer. Mm. And that is one of those series that sometimes things will happen and you will be on, on your lounge talking at the TV going, what? Are you serious? You know, so that would, that would, be, that would be where I would um, veer you. And it's got some high-profile uh, cameos that are very interesting when you see them in the context of the show. All right, well, let's talk about the terrible thing. Okay. So, neighbors on Amazon. So, <laughs> <laughs> Why is it coming back? It, fo- it finished so well. We uh, we were having a chat about a particular movie. Um, speaking of things that feel like they're made made by an AI algorithm, this one definitely feels like somebody just put in a whole bunch of hot people and characters and plot lines into an AI algorithm and made a movie, and. You said you would never watch this movie, so I decided that I would watch this movie and uh, oh, talk okay. to you about it. And the, right. and the movie is the movie Ghosted. Um, oh, right. <laughs> yes. Okay. Look, uh, <laughs> you, you've kind of made it sound a little bit more passionate than I intended. It was it was a little bit more um, just no interest whatsoever. Yeah, no, no, that's the appropriate yeah. response. And I, yeah. I look, I would <laughs> recommend to people that that is absolutely the appropriate response. Like, it uh-huh. is... Man, it's like an advert. It's like it's, you know what it's like. It's like an advertisement. So in that it's all shot beautifully and it's full of beautiful people and they're all saying words, right? <laughs> sure. It, I mean, if you don't pay too much attention, I guess it kind of makes sense. And 
if you believe, I don't know, if your sexual politics are from 20 years ago, then. Yeah, it's great. It's great, but like yeah. it's horrible. Like, right. It's written by men and it couldn't smell more like a movie that is written by men than you've ever. Like what these men who wrote this movie believe that, like essentially this movie should be called Hot People Will Put Up With Each Other Even If They're Both Terrible People. <laughs> oh, right. Well, and weirdly, if that was the title, I would have watched that. So, look, I have to be honest, um, I'm, can you give me a, a synopsis? Because yeah. I don't even or, – or you can just tell me exactly what happens. I will tell well. you exactly what happens. I'm right. happy to run you through it. So, Thank you. The two actors, I won't call them by their characters' names because I do not care to learn what their characters' names are. Um, uh, But Chris Evans is the male lead. Right. uh, Formerly Captain America, Chris Evans. Formerly wearing great jumpers and knives out. And Anna de... De Aramis. De Aramis. Anna de Aramis, who was in a James Bond movie, I believe. Yeah, she's been. She was also in Knives Out. She was the 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 maid and uh, not the maid, but she was the yeah you know, the, the poorer the, person that Christopher right. Plummer. Um, and uh, she recently was in that uh, controversial uh, Marilyn Monroe biopic. Oh, Bond. okay. I did not see that, but she is she is as beautiful as Chris Evans is handsome. Like they are. Just two people that they were just like, who are two incredibly hot people that we could be in this movie together? And so here's the premise of the movie. So he meets, uh, even before this, like, so she's driving through the countryside. She's on the phone to, like, her therapist, like, is what the movie's trying to tell you. Like, it's one of those typical movie things where apparently people talk to their therapist while they're driving through the country, which is one of those things as a person who's lived in regional areas, the idea that you would like try and have a conversation with a friend who's forgiving of the fact that who's not on the clock, who's like, oh, I'm going to be in a dead zone for 10 minutes. Like, Are you there? Le- Are you there? <laughs> right. Are you there? I'm paying for this yeah. too. This is a therapy session. Great during therapy. Like <laughs> yeah. it always annoys me when I see it in movies, yeah. but like, so it's, it, this, it sets the tone for what sort of movie this is. You're not going to see they're going to present a series of things to you that they think are surprising and interesting that you've seen a hundred times before in a hundred different things. That's what I mean about none of them individually are necessarily bad things, but just combined together in this advertising video clip mix type of a fucking movie, like is it's horrible. But luckily we haven't got to the incredibly bad sexual politics yet. Right. <laughs> so right. so <laughs> she's driving along. She's you killing it. In a different universe, she's killing Eve. She's like the right, the, yeah. She's Jody, whatever names, assassin Coma. character yep. from Killing Eve. That's yeah. That's what they want to believe that she is, but that's not revealed at the moment. We don't know that she's like CIA, right? Like you know, because she's. I guess she's in technically a good person in this, but like I mean, she works for the CIA, do some research, people. But uh, anyway, they'll, they'll gloss over most of that. She murders a heap of people on foreign territory, but anyway, let's we'll that's get to fine. that in a bit. It's fine. Uh, she's hot. Most importantly, she's hot. She's talking to her ther- therapist, possibly, in the car, who will be later be revealed to absolutely nobody's surprises being her boss at the CIA and not her actual therapist. Um, but they're having a conversation about she's seen this person who was like the same age as her 
um, you know, she's dead. It'll be later revealed she's the one who made her dead. But, you know, she's having a crisis of, you know, am I doing with my what I want with my life, you know, that I'm meant to do? Her therapist tells her to don't make any rash decisions. She meets this guy at some markets. Right. <clears throat> so let's meet Chris Evans. He's a farmer. He's working at a farmer's markets. Oh, yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, you're getting that sort of like, you know, introduction to this, like, look how this handsome guy's working as like a charming farmer's markets, like he's selling some, you know, produce from his bloody farm. Look at this. Oh, he's got some great banter with his coworker. She's a sassy African-American woman who goes off to get stoned in the middle of their scene. This is a great movie full of great characters. Wow. (laughs) Like his first joke is like some terrible joke at like like, he, like you know one of those things where like he's doing in this movie and spoilers we'll get to this later but he's doing i guess what the movie thinks is a, a ryan reynolds like it it oh, stinks yeah. like you couldn't get yeah. ryan reynolds it's got that yeah. sort of like i'm being a bully and i'm being like off collar or whatever but the implication is that this is all part of our friendship which it can be in the right hands right like Ryan Reynolds most of the time carries that off really well, I think. Whereas like Chris Evans is doing that. Not right. doing it badly, but just no. doing Ryan Reynolds. It's yeah. one of those movies where for ages you'll just be like, oh my God, like if only, why didn't they just get Ryan Reynolds? Like this is clearly a movie that was made for Ryan Reynolds. Like right throughout this movie, this character behaves in a way that a Ryan Reynolds character would behave. Why isn't Ryan Reynolds in this movie? Spoilers, two hours into this movie, for a minute, Ryan Reynolds will be in this movie. (laughs) Wow. Right. Does he appear in a movie version of the movie you just watched playing Chris's character? He literally appears anyway. uh, Look, you know what? We'll get – it would spoil too yeah. much to get to – but I'll just – I don't re- want to spoil just it remember. Let's do it properly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to spoil it. Don't worry. No, I'll no, tell you no, how I, it is. No, but, I just meant I didn't want you to spoil your retelling of the spoiler. Yeah. So <laughs> so she comes up, hot woman. Yeah. Because this is what he's – I need to point out when I say hot woman, yeah. this is not me making this judgment. This is what yes. the movie is saying to yes. us. Here is what we know about this woman at this point. She's reconsidering her life. And most importantly, she's hot. And she's about to meet another hot person. And so, therefore, any other regular rules of how society operates <laughs> have been thrown out the window, right? Yeah, makes <laughs> because sense. Because that is the premise of this movie, yep. is that if two people find each other, if two hot people are lucky enough to find each other, they will ignore every other circumstance <laughs> in yep. order to... Yeah, anyway. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, so... He, old mate, his sassy, um, you know, uh, black uh, store mate. Yeah. She's out the back getting high. And yep. so. Um, Full respect. He, see, <laughs> he sees <laughs> he sees this um, hot woman come up to her store. So he immediately, it's a flower store. Yeah. A plant store. Yeah. He immediately, um, this entire, he pretends to be this, like, like the person who owns this store for a start. He immediately judges her choice of plant. He immediately starts what would be called negging her throughout this entire interaction. And then immediately there's this scene that is played to be charming where essentially he refuses to 
sell her this plant because she's away too often and she can't take care of this plant and in good conscience he can't sell her the plant. And it's just the most manipulative, gaslighting, over-entitled behaviour like to someone that you don't know where you're lying to them immediately. The first thing is like essentially he says of the plant, the first thing that he says to this woman is about how it's like needy, like it's, temperamental and high maintenance or something like that. Like, you know, like, and he goes, oh, like all of my, must be talking about all of my exes. Like what a horrible thing to like say as the first thing you say to another person is to imply that all the other previous people that you've dated have have, like been mentally ill. Like it's almost like the absolute like cliche of like this, absolute, like this movie is just a series of red flags basically. And and, and I'm I'm guessing, uh, to Aramis doesn't sort of say, wow, you sound like a catch, like call him out on it or anything. Is there at least a... No, there's a back and forward banter where it sounds like they hate each other because in a way she's behaving appropriately. Yeah, up until the bit. Then she becomes negative as well and then there becomes this extended metaphor for this cactus and what she really needs is a cactus. So she actually... Tells him in she return. Needs, is is there a comment about she needs a big prick? Is that like is it that bad? Is no, it? Um, there's nothing that good. She needs a relationship that's spiky. Like well, so there is a there is an analogy or a metaphor, which is that so it's about not needing as much attention. She needs. She basically says to him, in a better movie, she's telling him what she needs, which is that she would be open to something if it was something that only needed to be watered every couple of months, if it like you blah, blah, blah. And a normal person in this situation would be going, okay, so you're telling me this really hot girl who travels for her work is saying that she'd be into a relationship that I only need to dip in and out of every now and again. And as long as I'm cool with that and I'm not too needy and need stuff all the time. But instead what he hears is, you know what I should be? Incredibly needy. What, <laughs> what I should do, like she... So his sassy black, uh, you know, stormmate comes back from getting high. And she's like, oh, I can't believe that you guys, you know, didn't exchange numbers. Like the way that you were yelling at each other, there was so much sexual chemistry. The movie keeps telling us that this really bad behaviour is sexual chemistry. So, like, the movie is telling you that what you just saw isn't horrible and destructive and manipulative and, like, you know, because it was, it's horrible. It wasn't yeah. charming. It, yeah. The only thing that makes the movie convince you that what just happened wasn't like awful yeah. is that they're both super hot. You've got to remember right. that what yeah. the movie is saying, that yeah. we want to see these two super hot people get together and the way that we're going to do it is by like – getting them to say horrible things to each other and then have our high black friend come out and tell you that it's sexual so that you then abandon your store. <laughs> this guy is nothing but red flags because on a minute's notice, he's managed, he, so he then just runs after this hot girl, stands in front of her car because <laughs> that's healthy, right? Like abandon your stall after you've been lying about the flowers, judging somebody on first sight about their capacity to maintain a relationship, absolutely have a terrible encounter with them, run away and then just like stand in front of their car because, you know, you're both hot. Let's remember that you're absolutely both hot and that's what this movie is trying to tell us, that hot people can do anything. Right. Right? Well, they can. 
So, well, it turns out they can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> turns out the movie's right about the yeah. movie's premise because yeah. she eventually is charmed by this obviously stalkerish behaviour and she winds down her window and says, do you want to get a coffee? And he's like, when? And she says, now. And he abandons his stall and just fucks Wait, off does, with her to have a Does coffee. he not realise that his, his sassy black assistant is super high and probably shouldn't <laughs> be left by stuck herself? Stuck with all his responsibilities to pack yeah. up his fucking stall, right? Like, she can't even stay straight for the day. Anyway, that's yeah. weird. So, and that's the start of the film. That's the start of the film. <laughs> let oh, me, damn. let me. I know you've got a deadline and I want to tell you more about this film, but I desperately need to go to the bathroom. So just give us a sec. Okay. <laughs> So while Will has gone to the bathroom, I don't know if he will edit this out, but I will give you a few more things that you can watch on the telly while he has a wee break. So I uh, am seven episodes into Beef on Netflix. I know a lot of people have already watched that, but if you have not checked that out, starring Stephen Jung and Ali Wong, that is a series that is definitely worthwhile checking out, and it's essentially about two people in an argument. And even though... You know what? That's all you really need to know. It, it's much more than that. It's much cleverer than that. Uh, it will have you squirming at times. So I give that two thumbs up. I'm into season four of Barry. If you haven't been watching Barry, it's about a hitman who takes acting lessons. That's all you need to know. Starring Bill Hader. It is a fantastic show. Oh, and Will's back. And that's the end of these TV uh, suggestions for you. Sorry, I was just giving people an update if we keep this bit in. Oh, no, we should. I, I mean, I always appreciate if you <laughs> if you keep talking. I don't require it of the guests, but I should know better that you can just keep going and I can go to the bathroom. So, uh, all right. So, I'm not going to describe every scene in this film because I would love to, but like, I, I'm not going to. But basically, <laughs> I'll save that for when we're hanging out. <laughs> I'm, there is – so, they spend the day together. Typical – yeah, this is year before – sunrise sort of like you know thing where they like you know she's pretending to be an art you know she's an art valuer or something curator she travels the world to that's her cover story that we're later going to find out to the surprise of absolutely nobody because it's in the fucking trailer for this thing like you just have to there's no way that you could possibly not know that she actually works for the cia so anyway the next day he back at the farm Banter with his, like, parents and the sassy younger sister about the fact that, you know, he's got this, like, history of bad relationships and blah, 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 but he's finally met the one. Like, he's immediately finally met the one, right? Because, you know, because immediately that's a, that's a great idea because she's hot. Right. I don't know if you yeah. remember, but she's oh, super yes. hot. right. I might write it down. <laughs> and yeah. So, and he is also hot, particularly yeah. for a farmer. I mean, this yeah. farmer wants a wife and he's identified who this wife yeah. should be. Yeah. <laughs> it's, this super negative relationship it actually does sound like farmer wants a wife. So <laughs> he, guns. he basically um, – this is great. This is real fun stuff now. This is where the real fun stuff happens. So – uh, the sassy sister is saying all the right things to him. Like you shouldn't be like, you know, like you shouldn't go too hard on this. You've got to like have appropriate boundaries, make sure you don't text too much, like blah, blah, blah. How many texts have you sent? And then there's this really funny banter where it's revealed that he's already sent seven texts. And then like there's this whole bit about how emojis don't count and emojis do count. Oh, it's real funny stuff. Like, it's really, really funny stuff to cover the fact that he's clearly being way too over the fucking top. Like, this, just because you've got the sassy sister saying that he's, like, 
that he's doing all these really like poor red flaggy behaviors like the movie will constantly tell you that it even knows that these things are wrong like that's that's almost what annoyed me the most is like if it if it was living in a world where it did not know these things were red flags yeah. it would almost be a better movie because at least it right. would be naive. But it constantly tells you that it knows the correct way to behave. Yes. It just doesn't let these characters do it ever. So, right. so here's what happens, Justin. Uh, he keeps sending messages and he keeps sending messages and he gets no messages home back. Um, so what he decides to do, he, he remembers that he's left his asthma puffer in uh, her handbag and luckily his asthma puffer has one of those little tracking devices you know so he always knows where his asthma puffer is and so he uh, decides to go online and detect where his asthma puffer is or I guess you could reframe it in another way he tries to go online and spy the exact location of somebody who has decided not to communicate with him in return so he's decided to locate exactly where they are right now I mean that's fun this is a fun storyline that we're pursuing isn't it this this fun story story you you know there's there's kind of ways that you could have done this fine do you know what i mean like he could have gone on a date with her he could have lost his asthma puffer she's seen it after she's left him she's just put it in her bag he's looked online to see where it is he just thinks it's back at where wherever they were he goes there ends up you know out of his depth i mean yeah that could happen but instead what happens is this guy who's never left the country before that will come back later in a very boring and unpayoffy way. But this guy's never left the country before. Um, he decides what he should do is a grand romantic gesture. Yes, is it? When somebody's right. not returning your calls, is the best thing to do is a grand romantic gesture? Because, no. again, that does feel like that's inappropriate, right? I feel like the grand romantic gesture is to give them their space and never call them again. Well, I mean, at the very least, I reckon it would be not to go overseas for the very first time in your life to London, England, where they are at the moment, to surprise them. That doesn't feel like... By the way, the tracker on that puffer is out of control. And also... I do need to mention that they're both very hot and the movie really wants them to be together. So I suppose this is all fine. Right. I think this is fine, I guess, then, right? To just track down that this person who's not responding to your cause is in another country and decide in a grand romantic gesture to get on a plane and fly to that other country to surprise them. I feel like that's fine if you're hot enough, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You fine. have to be super hot. Yeah. But otherwise, that is, if you're average. Like if... Even if you're good looking, that's too much. I'd just love to see them remake, try to remake this movie if, like, Chris Evans is an Argo and see how... Like, leave... Anna, Anna as like her, but just recast him as an uggo. Get like, and I'm, I don't mean this in any disrespect, but I mean like, you know, get like someone that the audience is just not symp- sympathetic to because they're hot and then just play the movie and go, that's no man. Let's, let's no, get Jeremy Piven. Yeah, no Jeremy Piven. You cannot get on that plane <laughs> and fly to London. No. Yeah, yeah. She, she was vulnerable one day. Because what the movie's also told us is the way – the reason she's gone on this, day, on this day is because she's vulnerable about the death of this other person and whatever. So he's got her at a moment of vulnerability. 
He's oh, God. spent right. the day with her. I mean, he doesn't yeah. know that, right? Like, he, oh, okay. like, I will say that he doesn't know that in his defense, but the movie knows it. The movie is well aware that, like, she was vulnerable. They've spent the day together. He's texted her way too many times the next day. She's not responded to any of those texts. He's tracked her down. And he thinks the best thing to do is fly to another country to surprise this person at their place of work. I mean, that. Wow. Anyway. That's Jeremy Piven would not be allowed on the plane, <laughs> Look, right? But ironically, Jeremy Piven would probably perform it correctly. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> his parents encourage him. So this, again, the movie constantly gives us permission for him to engage in these, like, clearly bad behaviours. So the parents are like, nah, it's a grand moment. It's a grand gesture. Look in the mirror. You're hot. It's fine. <laughs> the normal rules of engagement do not apply to you. Also, there's this ongoing storyline that he needs to stay at the farm to help look after his parents. His parents could not wait to ship him off to fucking London right. in this movie. <laughs> like, right. That's also a red flag. <laughs> so, anyway, he flies over to London in some long, in some very, like, anyway, there's a bad guys who are after this assassin called the, tax, the taxman or the taxman. And uh, it turns out, twist that you'll never see coming, the tax man's not an actual man. Guess who the tax man is? It's this hot woman that he had this one date with who turns out isn't an art historian and curator. She's actually works for the CIA and she's the greatest assassin of all time. Wow. And, yeah. And so I was anyway, hoping it was going to be the high woman back at the flower store. <laughs> I mean, that would be great, right? <laughs> that would be good. That's the twist. <laughs> but here's the great twist is that like now he's like caught up in this adventure because guess who the bad guys think the tax man is? They, are, they think it's him. They think it's him. He's the tax man. Well, he looks like a tax man, a yeah. super hot farmer tax man who's never been overseas <laughs> before and how did he get over there without a passport and as, he needs his huffer? As, and he was able to get a passport within 24 hours apparently. Yeah. So yeah. I guess there's that. Yeah. But no, see, farmer has a backstory as well. He he wanted to be a historian himself. Like he wanted to be a, an art historian, like a, a no, an actual. He's written a book about the history of farming, and he, yeah. his dad got he went back on the Sounds farm. Sounds good. Like yeah, anyway, it's like it's all <laughs> whatever. He's hot. I think it's important to remember mostly that he's hot. I hope that book on the cover is a big picture of him. Yeah, written by this hot guy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll check that out. <laughs> All right, sounds great. Yeah. So anyway, he arrives in London. London. He's mistaken for the the tax man. He is kidnapped, and then the actual tax man, his like person he went on a one night like one date with, suddenly has to reckon with the fact that this guy has just appeared in the middle of her mission, got kidnapped, and then the rest of it is just it unfolds exactly as you would imagine. Yeah, that the rest of it, it unfolds. It is a series of misadventures where the bad guys misunderstand that he is or isn't the tax man. She yeah. kills everyone. Like right. she is constantly murdering people. Like yeah, she it turns into like at some stages like the Fast and the Furious or it's a video game. Like she's driving. It's like they went. Oh, Speed was a good movie. What if like you could drive the bus from Speed like you were from the Fast and the Furious while also having banter with someone you're in a problematic relationship with? Like it's you're like, what is this now? Is this a real thing? Like was this ever a real thing? Like is this in the real universe or is this in some magical universe where someone could actually do all? She's great at all those things, by the way. Like she's a super good action star. You can definitely see why. 
like a female first action movie with her in the lead role would be good. Yeah. But this is not it. Like this is terrible. Well, have you seen that James Bond movie? She's kind of like yeah. the best thing in it. And uh, and she's, uh, you know, she gets really good lines. She's got really good um, chemistry with uh, Daniel Craig. And w- when she leaves that uh, movie, you're like, ah. Oh. That's a bummer. I would have liked more of her. <laughs> so, you know, and it's like, yeah, let's let's do that. And it feels like they forgot to do the thing where they write something good. <laughs> so the entire final culmination of this movie, because it flips back and forth with no consequences so qu- quickly, constantly through the movie. It's one of those things where the CIA is on her side. That, oh, they think she's the problem. Everyone thinks he's the thing. He has to pretend to be the tax man, blah, 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 blah all through this lens of uh, – there are so many times during this where his entitlement to what he's owed in the relationship from her is right. so gross. Like right. there's a point – like it all becomes – this entire thing becomes about their relationship, which is all about this thing that's happened essentially over the course of like two days, this yeah, entire well, thing, it. right? Like, it's like but how long has this been going? Right, and then there's this running thing with the cactus being the one – because he brought the cactus with him like to England as like a – like I mean, again, this guy is bad news. And then wow. it becomes this running joke and then the people get killed with the cactus. Anyway, it's, it's so – like talking about MacGuffins or like just shit that like like this story is just an awful story about awful people. But the final scene to be like because again it all looks great in a way like and like it's like the movie is like forgive my flaws I'm hot like that's the right. message of the movie <laughs> like these well, two uh, once like again if that was the title I would be in. Because the, also how quick this farmer like gets on board with the fact that like the girl that – because he's flawed. He's a series of red flags and over-entitlements and these sort of things that are justified by the fact that he also moved back to the farm to help his dad when his dad was sick. You know, the movie's going, forgive him for like all these relationship red flags because like d- deep down he's a good guy, Right. The movie is an incel. <laughs> the movie is telling you to forgive his red flags because he's he's a nice guy. But also, she's like, she lied about the fact that she was an assassin for a good reason. Like, she's a CIA assassin. She has to keep it yeah. sacred. Like, yes, she did it for a good reason. But you've literally just met this girl, had one night out with her where she lied to you about a whole bunch of different stuff. He gets really mad that she lied. He has no entitlement to that. But you also, like have got to see that, like, you've just watched her murder, like, 70 people. Do you want to ever think about whether this is a cool relationship for you to enter into? Because that probably comes with some issues and some baggage. Oh, no, hang on. I need you to remember how hot she is. Oh, she yeah, is no, she is so yes. hot Fuck, that I you should absolutely <laughs> take no time to consider whether <laughs> being in a relationship with somebody who murders for a living is... Like, you know what I mean? Like, is it practical? Does it fit into the rest of your life? How are your parents going to feel about the fact that you're – or are they just going to be like, no, 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 you're hot and she's super hot so everything's fine? Like, like, who does the washing? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you do you share the washing or if your washing is covered in blood, do, like, do you look after your own washing? I would feel like the way the movie pays off at the end, spoilers, they everything works out it's great and they're together. Oh, I actually was worried. There's this incredible scene where – they're overseas together, like on a mission. Like this is the payoff, which gives right. you a real insight into the rest of the movie. I'll circle. Wait a minute. So, so old Huffer boy who's never been overseas <laughs> is somehow good with a gun and not bad in a fight and is now 
working for the CIA. I mean, that it, it, there are a few times during the movie where you think that's going to be the turn and then the movie just decides to just conveniently for plot reasons sometimes make him good at stuff and then right. most of the time not good at stuff. Yeah. Like – He's no good at firing a gun until it's necessary that it is good firing gun. At one yeah. stage, he's swinging off a cliff. <laughs> so she's driving this bus like it's in Fast and the Furious on a cliff in Pakistan. Like, you know, like so there's this massive ledge. It's this old Pakistani bus that she's driving like it's a fast car in the Fast and the Furious. She literally does like a handbrake swivel and he swings on a pole out over the cavern. Like Farmer Dave, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> on his pole, swinging off this bus, bus being driven like on this, like in this canyon in Pakistan, and then right. she just swivels a bit to swing him back in again. And apparently, he was fine doing that, but he's also fumbly and no good at doing a bunch of other stuff because he's right. a cuddly, hot uh, historian farmer. Yeah. Um, so no, no. So they don't go there. Luckily, here's where they do go instead, though. Um, is he's at some museum or whatever in wherever it is that she's off CIAing because apparently they're allowed to do that now. He's allowed to go on missions with her, <laughs> so yep. he's off doing his research and like you know, so you know, in his sweater, like you know, leaning on the front steps of the museum, and she pulls up in a fancy car to pick him up for their dinner date because they like to combine their work and their pleasure, and they're doing this together now. And he goes to put his books and his research and his satchel bag in the in the boot of the car. But there's no room in the boot of the car because there's someone tied up in there, like some bad guy that she's CIAing. Is but that you Ryan know Reynolds? <laughs> no, I'll circle back to Ryan Reynolds in a minute. So, 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 the, isn't that fun? That she's like just tied the guy up in the boot until they have right. their dinner, and then she'll go murder him or whatever, torture him or right. whatever. This yeah. is a fun movie. They're both pretty hot though, so let's remember that. And so, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> In this movie that was clearly made for Ryan Reynolds and written for Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds has gone into the meeting and gone, I'll give you two minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, what? No, we need a bit longer. <laughs> so, the culmination of this movie that, like, like that good actor is in that, like, what's the dude with the, he's got a big nose, he won an Oscar. Like Adrian Brody. Adrian Brody. He's a good actor, but sometimes <laughs> he's in like bad films and he's not even bad in this film. Like he's like again, no one's actually even he's, bad in this film, but he's a bit Michael Caine. He's yeah. never said no to a check. No, and he certainly didn't say no to this check. And he did yeah. he did the job he was asked to do, you yeah. know. Like he certainly is no better or worse than anyone in the film. Like it's just I don't think there was any room for anyone to be particularly great in this film. But there is this it's like they – so the final thing just turns into John Wick almost, right? Everyone's an assassin. Like, you know, you're an assassin. You're an assassin. They're not assassins in this. They're bounty hunters. So it's completely right. different to John Wick. And yeah. it's set in this revolving restaurant. So it's this giant skyscraper. Like, they've, like it looks amazing. Like I said, you know, like this revolving fucking thing – Everyone's an assassin. All the crime lords are there. It's the meeting with the giant MacGuffin that's been right through the movie. They've needed this, like, code to open this box for this weapon, right, the super weapon that is at the heart of this thing that everyone's trying to get and not get. And it turns out, guess who cracked the code to open the suitcase? 
old fucking farmer mate. Farmer mate, because the code yeah. was the DNA sequence of a plant that was in the background of the thing. And when he was being, oh my God, the way that things get introduced and resolved in this movie is like they only believe she's like a bad CIA agent for less than half a scene. Like you feel like, oh, this is where this. Oh no, oh, okay, they're back. Like. The farmer noticed the DNA sequence is probably the sequence that opens the MacGuffin. So, oh man, anyway. And the way that – so he's offered everyone money to kill her. She offers them more money to kill him. Adrian Brody this is. But um, so <clears throat> there's just – everyone's an assassin. They're all fighting each other. Like who knows what's going on at this fucking point. And so – John Wicky, you know, in that very much in that John Wicky way, you'll be introduced to some fully formed, you know, assassins. Um, one of them is Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds plays a one-eyed ex of uh, Anna, Anna Arangini. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's a comedic one-eyed assassin ex. Who does like a like a, a one and a half minute two minute cameo as he's being yeah he does some backstory on her previous their previous relationship and he wants her back and also wants to kill her and it's Ryan Reynolds and it's comedic. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they say that while it's happening. This is comedic. Hi, I'm Ryan Reynolds and this yeah. is what you'd expect from me in a role like this. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, that sounds even worse than what I thought it was. Oh, man. And I've yada, yada, yada about 90 minutes of it. It's two hours yeah. long. Yeah, the fuck. That is brutal. Well, on behalf of everyone, thank you for watching it. <laughs> it was. We, we appreciate your time and effort. <laughs> that's what the car should have said to me at the end. Yeah. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed <laughs> you... us being hot. <laughs> well, well, here's some potentially good mm. news for you. Anna de Aramis is in a movie next year, and it's uh, called Ballerina. Do you know what that is? Ballerina. Yep. Um, Anna de Aramis, Ballerina. Uh, No. It also stars Angelica Houston, Gabriel Byrne, the late Lance Reddick, Norman Reedus, Ian McShane, and John Wick himself, Keanu Reeves. It's a John Wick spinoff. Oh, okay. Is she so, she going to be one of the wiki assassins in the Wikiverse? Yeah. Okay. I'd be into so, that. She'd be good so at maybe. That. Yeah. So it's like, why didn't you just skip from James Bond straight to ballerina? Yeah. Well, I mean, probably money. I would imagine. Oh yeah, you might as well. Lots you know, and lots might as well of take money. A paycheck. Like, I lots. mean, this movie is is like. It is. I look now that I've thought about it a lot. If the point of the movie is that we'll forgive anything if it looks hot enough, mm. then they made that point really well. It is they, the they, central. They landed the plane. It is the central through line of the entire plot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those movies that's heaps more enjoyable if you just have it on in the background on mute, and every now and again you 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 remember that it's on, and you look up and you go, "That's good for my eyes," and then you get back to doing whatever it was that was much more interesting, like vacuuming the floor. I mean, yeah, wow. Like I knew it wasn't going to be great, but yeah, I, I that's can, much worse. But I can sometimes be charmed by a not yeah. great movie. Like I don't need yeah. everything to be great. Like if, sometimes it can just be. And look, this is has all the appearance of entertainment. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, no, I no, it does. I constantly am clear of what it wants me to be doing. <laughs> to be honest, it sounds like a movie made by AI. <laughs> it does, it really does. Yeah, this screenplay, will just put it in and, yep, there it is, that seems great. Get two hot people, we're good to go. Was there an after credits thing? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> 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 Maybe Ryan, probably Ryan Reynolds' character came back for a little extended. They played the other three minutes of that they shot after the. <laughs> yeah, trying to squeeze as much out of Ryan Reynolds that they could on the day. Man, what a stinker. Uh, man, it was the worst. Uh, Justin Hamilton, you do have your own podcast, though. It is called Big Squid. Uh, you have recently been back doing some episodes, which is good. Uh, and what else do you need people to know about? Uh, I reckon people just need to go to my Twitter feed and see that kid missing the shot. <laughs> I mean, that does sound pretty good. It's not enough to get me back on social media, but it does sound no, no, pretty no, good. But everyone else who's still out there, just uh, you'll see the retweet. That's my big plug. <laughs> I am. Um, I've got some shows at the Sydney Comedy Festival for me. The Enmore Chatswood uh, put on some Sutherland uh, Shire shows as well. Uh, Perth Comedy Festival. Uh, no, Perth not Comedy Festival. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows what? What? You're gonna I'm, be in Perth. I'm going to be in Perth, and yeah. then I am going to be in Brisbane at the Brisbane Comedy Festival. There is Townsville dates that are now on sale, and there might even be some other ones that are up there as well. So go to comedy.com.au for those dates. But uh, uh, really loving doing the new show, so I would love if people came out and saw that. And, uh, uh, yeah, my book, I Am Not Fine, thanks. Uh, Tofop and Fofop, now on the same feed, but tofop.com for all the... Oh, you were on Willosophy recently. We should, if people oh, aren't yeah. across that yet, Willosophy is back. It officially is back now. I'm doing new episodes of Willosophy, and Justin was a guest on Willosophy, so uh, you can it's find a, that on the Willosophy feed. It's an interesting podcast to do. You, you, I'm still getting messages about it. I think it's, you know, it's one of those podcasts that you get a lot of messages going, great, you're on Willosophy, and then people wait for the right moment. And then, <laughs> then you get the messages afterwards. So yeah, Funny. Uh, well, yeah, people can check that out as well. So that would be cool. Thank you very much for doing this today, Justin. Thank you. Listener.